forever. Dog. Hey everyone, it's me, Ben Blacker, the creator and host of the Writers Panel 2022. And you know what that means? It's more of 2020. Um, this is the 11th anniversary of this podcast. I thought it was the 10th. I was planning a lot of big things for our 10th year. Turns out it's our 11th year. Wow. That's a long time to be doing a podcast and to still be doing a podcast. Um, thanks for listening for 11 years. That's bananas. Um, I'm going to do things a little differently this year. I'm going to bring back some of, um, our favorite guests from over the many years that we've been doing this, 11 to be precise, um, and check in with them and see how they're doing and talk about how the industry has changed in this past decade plus one. Not just decade. I can't believe I missed the 10th anniversary and 500th episode of this podcast. That's kind of tells you how the past couple of years have been, right? Um, today's podcast is a wrap up of the previous year. And kind of a memoriam for 2020 as well, and as well as some looking ahead to this current year. And as you will hear in the podcast, I got turned around. Um, it was so much fun to record with these friends and frequent guests. Uh, it was so great to catch up with them again, some of whom I've seen within the past few months, some of whom I haven't seen in a couple of years, um, some of whom I've worked with, some of whom I hope to work with. Um so you'll hear me go from sort of bummed out about the state of things and, you know, work in general to really being inspired by this group and just by talking to other writers. Um, I hope you'll be inspired too. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I think you will too. If you've had favorite guests over the years, please let me know. Find me on Twitter at Ben Blacker. And tell me who you want to hear from back on the podcast. Uh, we've had so many incredible guests over the years. Literally thousands of writers have been on this podcast. Um, and I'd love to reconnect with some of them and, and hear how they're doing and hear what they think of the current landscape, which is so, so different than it was when we started 11 years ago. It's different than it was three years ago. Um, so I think those will be really interesting conversations that I hope um, you'll enjoy as well. So yeah, let me know who you want to hear from uh, and I'll, I'll try to bring some, some of those folks back. I think it'll be a blast. Meantime, thanks for listening to this podcast, this episode, every episode. Uh, I really do appreciate your ears on this stuff. Enjoy. I could not ask for a better group to talk with me about the terrible year that was and the great 
question mark year that is coming. Um, I'm going to go around and ask you to introduce yourselves on the microphone, um, tell the folks who you are and where they may have seen your name on their television screen. Hey, I'm Angela Kang. Um, I'm currently the showrunner of The Walking Dead. That's probably what I'm most known for. Um, I've got other things that I'm working on, but uh, that's where you've likely seen my name on screen. And hello. <laughs> and hello. <laughs> Uh, hi there, Jay Holtham here. Uh, I was most recently, you saw my name on Supergirl. I was on that for the last two seasons, and I am currently on The Handmaid's Tale. But that has not come out yet, so you won't see that until Ooh. later this year. And this is your first season on Handmaid's, right? First season on Handmaid's, yes. Which, and it's season four of the show? Five. Season five. Season five is the upcoming season. Gotcha. Great. Uh, hey, it's Carlos Folia. Um, I was a producer-writer on Dan Brown's The Lost Symbol on the old uh, Peacock streaming network, that chestnut. Um, and uh, currently, Already uh, giving me things to edit out. <laughs> <laughs> that wonderful, uh, wonderful network. Um, the, uh, and in between hopeful seasons, between that and season two of Dan Brown, um, I am a producer-writer for uh, Eon Flux on Paramount. And it's pronounced Eon, not Aeon. But, um, but I learned that myself as well. So yeah. Good to know. Thank you. I've been wrong for 25 years. <laughs> yeah. I've been wrong too. Me too. We still say Aeon sometimes. And it's like Aeon. It's like, oh, and try typing okay. that 45 <laughs> candidates. It's amazing. Uh, good. We'll, we'll get into pronunciation of everyone's shows uh, as we go along. <laughs> Hi, my name is Julia Yorks. And uh, you have probably seen my name on your kids' favorite television show. Um, but more recently, maybe you've seen it. Uh, I just wrote a movie for BuzzFeed, their first kind of big studio movie that's called One Up, uh, starring Ruby Rose and Paris Barrel. So that comes out this year. Very exciting stuff. Congrats. That's Ooh, really exciting. Thanks. Um, you are all returning champions, which is why I asked you to come join <laughs> me today. Um, and I, I want to talk about this, how this year has been for everyone. Um, I'm not going to sway you with, you know, my tales, but anyone who wants to jump in and I actually let's let me let me rephrase that. Um, Angela, let's start with you again, because you were on a show that you've been running Walking Dead for a couple of years now. Um, tell me a little bit about the transition to both a Zoom room and how you tackle production during these past couple of years. Um, oh my gosh. Well, the thing that helped us on The Walking Dead is that we, because our production is remote um, and we've been working with Georgia for many, many years and I have a background working in tech, like I used to work for .com, like in the early 2000s like I'm I tend to be pretty tech savvy and like like looking for new tools so when I took over as showrunner in season nine I actually instituted zoom to conference with Georgia um, so that we could be face to face we just been doing phone conference before that and I just found that really difficult because um, I like to see faces and inner like see how people are reacting so so as a production, we were very used to using Zoom and I'd always had a policy, like if you're sick, don't fucking come to work. If you were feeling FOMO, you are welcome to conference in or Zoom in. So we'd kind of like had a version of that, but I gotta tell you, um, doing Zoom room like all the time is hard, it's exhausting. And I feel like, you know, I see like, you know, while we're on Zoom doing this recording, like people are nodding because it's just, 
it's not the same. It's very exhausting. Like I feel like just mentally, there's a lot of strain to like trying to look at everybody's tiny little faces. Like there's always like lag. There's always like tech stuff. It's not really a tool that is designed to do like six, eight hours in the room. It works great if you're doing an hour long meeting or an hour and a half or two hour meeting, you know, but it's really hard to be on it all day. So I would say that that was actually kind of like a hard transition, but because we have people who are long running people that have been on the show and like there was most of my staff had carried over and had time like working together. So we had like an existing relationship and vibe. Like, I think that that made things a little easier on my show than I think for people who struggled with just starting a room from scratch and trying to like meet each other and get to know each other. I feel like that was really hard. Um, and in terms well, of just production, it's just, it's a nightmare. Like it's so hard <laughs> working during a global pandemic as it is in every industry. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's been pretty well covered uh, <laughs> on this podcast yeah. and others in the past year. Um, let's pick up on something you mentioned, though, which is like you did have a staff who had been together for the most part for the past few years. And so you do have a sort of you have a runway, right? You had a, a sort of easier way into having a virtual room. Um, Carlos and Jay, Carlos, you are in a brand new room on um, the Dan Brown show. And Jay, you entered a room that had been established, but you were the new guy in the room. I'd love to hear about those experiences. Um, and Jay, let's start with you and talk about like jumping into that new room, which is virtual. I mean, it was an interesting transition because, yeah, I wrapped up on Supergirl and, you know, the last season of Supergirl was entirely on Zoom uh, through 2020 and into the top of 2021. Uh, we got a little lucky because when The Handmaid's Room started for season five, it was in that brief period of freedom uh, before uh, Delta and before Omicron. And when it felt like, hey, this actually might be ending. Yay. So we were able to meet in person uh, in Bruce Miller's backyard for like the first couple of weeks. Um, and so we were able to like get a little bit of that like vibe check in-person feel before we had to retreat back to Zoom. Um, and we've been virtual pretty much ever since then. Uh, we do have physical offices. So a couple of people, and I've done this once or twice, go into the office to Zoom um, with the benefit of you get lunch bought for you when you're in the office, which is really nice. <laughs> and you get a little bit, you know, the thing you miss most, uh, that I find I miss most, Everything Angela was saying is true, all of the like mental energy and drain. But the good thing is that, uh, but the thing you miss most is the side conversation, is on the breaks, being able to talk to the other writers, one, learn about them as people and learn about their lives and, and share all that, but also talk about the show a little bit and kick things around in, in a way that is a lot more organic and natural than on Zoom. And so I, I definitely miss that but I, I, you, you can't beat the commute and uh, not wearing hard pants. <laughs> <That's true>. Absolutely. <laughs> it's unbeatable. Were you able in those first few, first few weeks of meeting in person, um, you know, it, it often takes so long to sort of like get into the vibe of the room, even in an in-person room, were you able to like get something to latch onto in that time? That you could carry over definitely i mean i definitely think some like some bound some bonds and some some connections were made when we were in person um but also you know now having been 
on Zoom for so long, as exhausting as it is, I, I also feel like we've all gotten a little bit more adept at figuring people out on Zoom and figuring out ways to have uh, uh, connections and, and, you know, side conversations as well. So it's, again, not ideal, but I guess it's starting to feel like this is probably going to be it for maybe another year um, before anything like in-person rooms return. So might as well. Yeah, it's interesting too hearing like uh, Jay and Carlos, you guys were both on when we did the wrap up last year mm -hmm. and yep. it was all still fairly new. And like even hearing how quickly we've had to evolve as people and writers and users of technology in this past year is kind of incredible. Carlos, what was your experience on The Lost Symbol? Um, did you guys start this room on Zoom? I'm gonna go backwards because yeah. the, uh, in Eon Flux, we actually start, I feel like Michael Corleone and then just when I thought we were out, they pulled us back in because we did the first 12 weeks of Eon Flux in person. And it was the first in-person room that I've done since 2019. Right? I did three virtual rooms and then jumped into this and it was amazing. And it was a little hesitant at first, like, do we just elbow? But like, we're getting tested, but we're in the same room, but it was fantastic. And then Delta did a couple one-two punch and then Omicron really hit us. So we're going back to virtual for the time being. Um, one of our writers got COVID over Christmas and it was like, uh, we, took la we took this week off, last week off. And um, we actually got an email saying, all right, so um, we should go back to the office on Monday. And I just, I said, we're not going back to the office on Monday. <laughs> we're, not, we're not going back to the office on Monday. Um, we, we, we can Zoom for the next two or three weeks, see what happens. And everybody was like, thank God you said that. Thank God you said that. Thank God you said that. And now we're back to virtual because that's that's just the way that I think it has to be for the time being. But um, the interesting part about Dan Brown was that it was completely virtual. We had one, I think after we all had our, our second uh, second vaccine, um, we all met in our showrunner's backyard in Sherman Oaks, obviously. And we, we kind of just all like stood there and it was like, hey, so that's what you look like. Oh my goodness. So, wow. So that's, uh, I remember meeting uh, one of my showrunners and his first reaction was, you're much taller than I thought you were. And, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, but but uh, for me, it was also a hybrid because I left halfway through to go produce because they needed, they needed boots on the ground. So I spent 60 days in Canada producing half a season. And it was, it, it was, it was, I mean, for those of us that have been, you know, on, 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 on set during COVID, it's not fun. Like your your face is wrapped up the whole time, and and you know July in Toronto is you walk outside and it's like you're just like completely drenched with the humidity, and then you have to wear a mask and you have to you know. So it wasn't fun, but at least I was able to be outside and be with people as opposed to be behind the screen for the second half of the season. I will so say. I hope we all. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Go. I was gonna say that's nice to hear because unfortunately, you know, this was my first feature that I've written and because of COVID, I couldn't be on set. I couldn't get, I didn't get to go. It was in Canada and it was like oh the budget, we're not gonna, you know, bring you up to quarantine for two weeks. So it's nice to hear that it would have been miserable because it was snowing a lot. <laughs> it, 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 was, it, it was extremely miserable. Uh, the only the only silver lining was uh, so I was the third one to go up. The first two the first two were the both showrunners, and they had the fourteen day quarantine. And the day before I was slated to leave, they got rid of the fourteen day quarantine. So the my bosses were so pissed. They were like, "You fucker! You you don't have to stay in the hotel room for fourteen days." Yes. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Uh, and I was like, "Thank you." 
Oh my god, I did that, man. Did you? You did the quarantine too. I yep. I went up to cover one of the episodes of Supergirl, uh, and yeah, I was there for like five weeks because I had to quarantine for two. And I mean, granted, listen, I'm in Vancouver in March, so it wasn't too bad. And in Vancouver, you know, you're up at the Sutton and I was on the of the the resident side. So at least at least I had like two rooms to be in and a kitchen. <laughs> it wasn't like in one hotel room, but it was still right. pretty miserable. Mm. I I um this is where I take exception. I will say, like, <laughs> I have friends, actors, and writers who have been up and had to do the two-week quarantine. I I'd be so good at it. Send me up there. <laughs> I can entertain myself for hours, for days. I haven't left my house in two years. <laughs> I have so much TV oh God, to watch. I barely left my house. Well, yeah. well, Canadian TV. I came back with like an addiction to Chicago Fire. So let, let's just be prepared for it. got dire. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just going to say the weird wrinkle that the Canadian quarantine period um, introduced, and I don't know if any of you all saw this in your shows, but like, we were, um, you know, we frequently have actors who travel back and forth to like work Canada to US and it affected our casting for the entire mm-hmm. period oh, wow. that the quarantine thing was, because we were like, well, we because of the quarantine period, that Canadian citizen, it's a whole deal to move them back and forth or like an actor who'd be like, I've got a gig that I want to do in Canada. Can we work that out? We'd be like, no, it doesn't work. You won't make it back in time for our quarantine period. Oh, so wow. it was just like, yeah, it's like the international lines like became a lot harder. So I imagine that was difficult for actors who are used to being able to bounce back and forth to gigs. You know, it probably cost them some work sometimes. Mm-hmm. I've but definitely heard for that safety. for people. Yeah, great for safety. And we definitely dealt with that on Supergirl um, for the entire last season. Because like, yeah, normally the, the year before in 2019, yeah, we'd have like someone would suddenly say like, oh, you know, whatever, Sean Astin wants to be on the show. And it's like, great, we'll put him in an episode. And then like three weeks later, we're like, oh, we could use him again, bring him back up. And there was none of that. It was like any anything like that. It was if you're going to write a character in or bring them back, like you've got to, they've got to be there for a couple of weeks. So like give them something meaty. Uh, or we just don't use that. You have to write around it. And that was definitely really difficult. That's so interesting. I never thought about that, you know, the toll on creativity in that way, mm-hmm. right? It's a lot yeah. of problem solving that you sort of have to back into. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I want to talk also about pitching uh, in this past year and sort of, I mean, I, I have the same complaint that I had in 2020, which is it was impossible to get any momentum. It was impossible, I think even harder to get anyone's attention um, and keep people interested. You know, there was a lot of, we'll get back to you in two days and then a person disappears. (laughs) Um, Julia, I know you did some pitching this year. Do you wanna talk a little bit about that experience? And then I think anyone else who who has, let's, let's get into it a bit. Yeah, this was, I would say 2021 was the hardest I've ever worked in my career. Um, it was also the year that I made the least aside from the year that I was unemployed. So <laughs> that's a, a fun, I feel like that's such a, such a writing typical thing. Um, no, me too though. Yeah, it's really crazy. And the last six months, I mean, first off, I'm going to preface this by saying that I'm an insane person. Um, but the last six months I 
pitched three different features, all based on IP, all different genres. Um, and some of them were at the same time. And that was the one thing that Zoom afforded me. You know, I had a pitch for the horror movie at 1 p.m. and I had a pitch for this weird indie drama at 4 p.m. And, you know, I was able to, in between, I would go lay on my couch and be comatose for a couple hours and then come back and, you know, and also for me, pitching, I've always really loved to pitch. I think it's one of my favorite parts of the process. It's also, I think probably the part of the process that I'm better at. Um, and so I've always loved it, but being on Zoom actually really takes away the, um, a lot of the anxiety because it's literally just, I put it on the screen, uh, I transcribe it into like my own little colloquialisms that I would normally say while I'm pitching and I just read it. <laughs> and so, you know, I have answers to questions on the bottom. And so for me, it, it really felt like I was giving a quick presentation and then logging off. And, and again, you know, like Jay said, I was not in hard pants. So um, that experience for me, <laughs> being, which is a phrase that I'm going to steal because I love that. Um, but the Zoom pitches I felt were great. I definitely did think that people, um, you know, weren't buying is as much for sure. Um, but thankfully out of those three, I, we did sell one. Um, so yeah, that was really exciting. That's a pretty good hit rate. We should also mention, yeah. um, you are in New York and you know, it's, it's Great point. conceivable. You may not have been <laughs> had opportunity to even pitch these, uh, features. Were you, were it normal, were it not over zoom? A million percent. I think, you know, and I, I think I, talked about this potentially with you the last time I was on when I first moved to New York it was 2019 in July and I basically just kept it a big secret from besides my friends and my my reps anyone else in the industry and it was like nope I, if I have a meeting I will I will be there I, I will make it out and um, I don't advise that because it gets really really expensive really fast um, <laughs> and uh, so when the pandemic hit as awful as it was it, it really did help me career-wise with the access to Zoom. And um, I think it's helped a lot of people uh, in terms of, I've seen a lot of writers who are maybe in Chicago or um, all over all over the country yeah. who, are, who are getting opportunities. I don't know how long that's gonna last, but in terms of pitching, yeah, it's been great. And you know what? It's been really great to not have to drive across town to, uh, you know, be nervous in front of, be, ner be nervous <laughs> on someone else's time and then yeah. <laughs> I just be nervous on my own. Exactly. Um, but I think, mm. I think you're right. Like it has um, democratized the process in a lot of ways that you don't necessarily have to be here to do it. And I think, and I hope that, you know, studios and production companies will be more open to continuing this for writers who are not in LA because look, we're all having a perfectly reasonable conversation uh, it's not as terrible as it could be. <laughs> um, Carlos, I know you did a lot of pitching this year um, and development too. Can you talk a little bit about how that process was for you? Um, just sort of overall. Yeah, the it's funny. It's, it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of uh, a column B. I don't think I would have been able to pitch as much if it wasn't for for Zoom becoming the norm, especially since I was you know, up in Canada for, for two months. And we actually 
sold a show that we pitched while I was in Canada. So it, it was really, really wonderful to, to sneak away from set and, you know, find a corner in the room and be able to pitch. And then, you know, we were lucky enough that they bought it in the room and it was like, great. So this, this is all working. I got to go back to set. Thanks. Thanks so much. Um, otherwise, who knows how the timing would have been if we would have had to reschedule and waited till I got back and then things get pushed. And um, it, I, I'm a strong believer in pitches. You know, you can do the best you want for a pitch, but it's all about timing, right? So, so the timing was right for them at that moment to say yes. It might not have been right at that moment in two months. Um, so we lucked out there. But yeah, development's been it's been crazy. It's been 99% Zoom, uh, and um, but but luckily, I think what we it's, it's opened up uh, the avenue to be able to collaborate with more people um, for the show that we sold. You know, we. It was a big bake off. I think I might have talked about it last year on last year's special. Mm -hmm. uh, it was an OWA that, that we that we, you know, scooped up and was able to get through and get chosen. And then we worked with the the, uh, the executives and we attached a director and all this stuff. And it was it was great to be able to meet whenever we wanted to during Zoom, even if one of our executives was I, I, I shit you not. He was in like some Caribbean island where the Internet was like barely there. But we were able to meet with him because, you know, he was like, we have to get this thing together, this pitch together. Let's let's do it. And so um, there were no boundaries uh, geographically. And I think that really helped us get everything together. Um, but I also don't don't want to ever pitch in person again, because, yeah, that cheat sheet. My goodness. It's just like it's like right there. You can't fuck it up. It's, it's just like right there. Um, and as opposed to, you know, where you're in person and you're like. Um, yeah, so wants and needs. <laughs> yes you know so I, I enjoy it yeah and Angela I feel like you have been working on a number of things in addition to running The Walking Dead um, sort of getting your hand in as a producer and sort of shepherding projects were you able to do more because you had to be fewer places yes in some ways um, it's like I've got various projects in development some that I'm writing some that I'm supervising several that I can't talk about yet some that were chasing deals on like it's all it was like a real like mishmash of of different things so you know I found myself pitching like a video game company on the take of their game that we wanted to do pitching my own network on things mm -hmm. that they brought me but that I still needed to take on and then going out with stuff to the outside and you know there was a pitch that we took out where the writer was in a room in New York I was in one of my busiest periods of running the show um, and if not for remote zoom pitching we wouldn't have been able to mm -hmm. do the pitch at all so like that was definitely a um an advantage um I'll say that like I you know going back to something that Jay said, like, I feel like the side conversations in an office, like, can't be replaced. So that's something I've really missed from this time. But like, it is possible for me to squeeze in some more time at work, because I'm just sitting at home, you know, like, I, I don't always think it's the most efficient in certain ways, but it has allowed me to kind of like, have a little more time with my family, because I'm not struggling with commute and getting dressed for work and doing all of that shit. Um, so that's really helpful. And it, it has allowed me to be a little more productive in other directions. But um, I guess that's one of the, the weird side benefits of the way that we've all been working. So I don't know what's yeah. going to happen. Like that's once funny. the world goes you, you, back to normal. Who knows? Go ahead, Carlos. 
Oh, I, I was going to say, Angela, it took me exactly what you're saying. The first four or five weeks of commuting to the room was like amazing. I'm in the car. The podcasts are back. Like everything's rocking. And, and, and then I realized I was driving like <laughs> yeah. 95 miles a day, you know, total. And it was like an extra hour and a half to two and a half oh. hours out of my day driving. So, so after about 10 weeks, I was like, oh, that's why we. Mm. it's like it's like you you miss it you miss being in the office but you're absolutely right <laughs> and two and a half hours i can't wait to wake up not in hard pants on monday and and, and just and just rock the zoom room <laughs> you know but yes but but, but there's, there's pros and cons yep uh-huh i i did think you were gonna say that you were driving yeah. 95 miles an hour that you realized like i haven't been driving <laughs> yeah. oh my god i'm going so fast <laughs> kind of glad that it was the opposite yeah i was right there the first after five weeks i looked at you know gas was like 74 dollars a gallon so i I, I literally bought an electric car right. after five weeks of this room. I was like, get rid of this thing. I'm just gonna plug in because I'm spending like four hundred dollars a month in gas. Like, yeah. no thank you. So The conversation thus far has been overwhelmingly positive, and that does not reflect the way I felt all year. <laughs> so I want to, I want to ask everyone and look, genuinely, this may be just me. Um, but for me, the hardest part of this year was the creative part. And like, I feel like 2020, I, I wrote new material, you know, I felt like I was able to use that time, I was able to find inspiration and get it done. In 2021, it felt a little pointless. Um, it was harder for me to get the bat off my shoulder uh, because for many reasons. Um, but part of it was like, well, if I, there's no momentum in this business, you know, if it's harder and harder to sell stuff, um, why bother? Uh, and part of it was like, it was just hard to sit down and keep my concentration, you know, deal with COVID dementia, um, which like, I don't think I've even had it, but being cooped up for two years, plus spending 2019 with the agency campaign on top of that, during which like, that was a constant hustle. I'm beat, <laughs> you know, like these past few years have defeated me. And that's taken a toll on the creative and trying to wrap my head around new stories and new worlds. Um, what has been your experience on that side of it? You know, I'm especially interested in the stuff where you're not under deadline. You know, you're not delivering an episode of the show you're working on. You're in development or you're working on new projects or you're writing for yourself. Uh, anyone who wants to jump in on that? Well, first, I wish we were in person so I could give you a big hug. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, I, I mean, just speaking for myself, like I said, this was probably the hardest I've worked. And I really oscillated between writing and being in a coma on the couch. And those are really the only two things that I did in 2020. In 2020, or in 2021, in 2020, it felt like there was, like you said, there's kind of optimism that this was all not gonna last very long. Um, and I'm actually a COVID bride. So that has been probably just, you know, once you realize, oh, those four dates that we planned in 2021, those are going to happen either. So it's, yeah, mentally it's been, it's been a really 
hard fucking year. And I think for me, creatively, I didn't write anything that was my for myself this year. Um, I didn't write any of my own original projects. Everything I did was pitching on OWAs or, or, you know, pitching other people's content. And I really decided that this next year I was going to focus. I feel like I've personally gotten in a place in my career where I used to have to say yes to everything. Um, and now I'm in a place where I can start saying no. And so I think that's really exciting. Um, but I did notice that, yes, there there was this deadline focused yeah. mentality last year and I didn't have the energy to create yeah, it makes sense. from uh, my own Jay, mind. am I right that you your play was written in 2021, the one that was just put out? Yep. Or yeah, mostly in 2021. 2021 has been a very odd year for me. Um because it started off actually pretty terrible. Like January of 2021 was definitely like an emotional and mental and physical low point for me from like 2020 just took its toll uh, in every possible way. And like 2021 started with a lot of sort of emotional heavy lifting. Um, you know, I lost my parents in 2020. And so 2021 was beginning the process of dealing with that and dealing with a bunch of family stuff um, and a lot of sort of emotional and mental work for me um the play was part of that um but the the something happened and i'm i'm as i'm talking about it, i'm just trying to to like pinpoint what it was but somewhere in there i sort of like emotionally turned a corner and i felt like that i feel like that's really fed into my work um this year i'm actually really proud of a lot of the work that i did and this turned out to be the year where i actually felt like a professional who knows what he's doing um and i i had not until this year really like there's still tons for me to learn about it but i was like oh i might actually be okay at this and i think part of that was i tried other things as well like they're like writing this play i mean i've, I've written plays before but this play was a really big leap for me um emotionally and then also this was the year that uh, i went back to comics uh, and I got the opportunity to write some comic books and moving into another genre where I was like in another format where I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here. And comics, especially like there's no formula, there's no format. There's nothing I don't have. I didn't have, there's nothing to handhold. Everyone writes them differently. You communicate differently and like doing it. I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm just going to try this. And like, I managed to get some pretty good feedback. I was like, oh, maybe I know what I'm doing. Okay, all right. And so like the back half of this year was mostly a lot of preparing for, for 2022 uh, and feeling in a place in my career um, where I felt like I had control, which was also really new. I mean, it's a little bit what Julia is saying of like, if that's for me though, the control is not so much uh, saying no, but the control is, oh, I can, actually direct this ship where I would like it to go, which means I won't have to think about where I would like it to go, <laughs> which I've not done because before it was just, <laughs> I will take whatever job you offer me and then I will take that job and do that job. Uh, and now it's like, oh, okay, I can that's build great. a plan. And that's been new and different. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the world is a dumpster fire 
but limiting my time on Twitter the last like four or five months has been a that huge mental choice. And like, <laughs> I highly recommend it. That's yes. smart. But I, I, but I also feel like Twitter is the only place I ever see some of you. Like Jay and Carlos, Julie, like I feel like we talk on Twitter all the time and it's the most interaction I get with mm -hmm. people that I would rather hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> So it's, it's hard to find that balance. Um, Angela, how has the uh, creative side been for you? I mean, I feel like with new projects, you've had to do a lot of that sort of dirty work, right? You've had to ideate. I'll say, yeah, like you were not alone in feeling that this it was just hard creatively. Like I would say that 2021 was just brutally hard in ways that I didn't even anticipate. Like after having made it through 2020, I went through one of the worst depressions of my life. Um, this year, um, started therapy as a result of it. You know, I was dealing with just PTSD, grief over lost family members, like burnout from work and creatively, like all of it. It's just a lot. I think like the thing that I felt so um, privileged about that felt like, oh my God, I'm so lucky is that I had a steady, well-paying job um, at a time when a lot of people were struggling. And I felt a lot of like guilt about that at times, you know? Um, but at the same time, for, for those of us that were employees that were working continuously, and I have an expanded season, my entire writing staff, we had family members who died that were hospitalized, loved ones that were struggling, and we just had to keep on punching the clock. And I feel like in normal times, you know, when you're feeling that little bit of like, the muse isn't hitting me, like you, you we're all professionals, like you find your ways to lean on your craft, but you also can reach that point where it feels like the well is just dry, you know? And so I think that that was just a very hard experience. And again, like we all leaned on our craft and we were pushed, pushed through and I'm in a much better place right now, kind of like emotionally and psychologically than I was like summer and fall of uh, 2021, but it was hard. And I, you know, I did a lot of thinking about like, I feel like as creative people, and I, I'm speaking for myself, but I feel like with other people I've talked about this with, there's maybe kind of similar experiences. Like one of the things from being in the pandemic is like being careful, you know, like I run a show, like I can't get COVID. I also have an autoimmune disease. I can't get COVID. I was very, very careful this whole time, but I'm just used to going out and experiencing art. Like going to concerts and going to the museum and going to the comic book store and kind of browsing what's there. And, you know, every restaurant in LA, <laughs> like you, there's like an art wall behind you with like beautifully plated food and like, you know, all of that stuff. And I just, I felt like starved for kind of like those sensory life experiences yeah. that help feed creativity. Um, and then in, you know, we've had those few windows where it felt like the virus kind of settled like one of the best things for me in all of 2021 is I went to a BTS concert um, when they were in Los Angeles. So listen, like I had never listened to BTS until the, this last year. And I started listening to them because this, a comic book artist, James Jean, who became like a fine art artist, he designed stuff for them. 
And so then I started listening to the band. And I was like, oh shit, they're actually really good. But what I connected to was they wrote a song about depression and how hard it was to be creative in the pandemic. So I was listening to this song in the first language that wow. I knew, Korean, and like crying and going like, oh my God, why is it so hard? But I'm so lucky to do this thing that I love so much, but why is it so hard to feel this empty during the pandemic? Um, and then to get to go to a concert, it like, it literally like after that, I had the most creative two weeks wow. I'd had like, in months after I went to that concert. Cause I swear to God, like that kind of stuff, it feeds you as an artist. And it's like, you have to feed the creative part of yourself to be able to create yourself. And so I think like that was something, like I learned something from that that was really important for myself for like what I need in order to be creative. And I perversely have been spending a little more time on social media than you usual not a lot but it'll be like late at night at odd hours when I'm done working but I've just chosen to kind of curate my feed so I'm looking at artists and with other writers I started following like a ton of writers even writers I don't know because I'm just like this is actually I, I don't want to get into the weird shit storm of negativity I just want to feed that part of me that wants some social interaction with other creative people, you know? So that's been my experience. I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I feel it most prominently when I'm watching Survivor um, in that I'm watching and I look and I think I'm creating such cool, like fun worlds, journeys, like challenges for these, you know, imaginary people. And then I go and I sit on my couch and it's really been, you know, a goal for me, you know, when I first moved to New York, it was very difficult to be an adult, to move to a new city. And I told myself that I was going to start, you know, I was going to start living life and then it was 2020. <laughs> and so I just, I really feel like this, these past couple of years have made it so hard to go out and live life. And instead, you know, I find myself being irritated that I'm crafting these adventures for people on the page and I'm stuck in my house and it's just been very difficult and now I want to go to a BTS concert <laughs> you know what they're they're fucking amazing they're, like, they're really good I was like I don't know if this music is for me and I was like no no actually like they're incredible there's a reason they're the most popular band Which, um, in the world. let me just pause for one so. sec um Angela, what is what was that song that got you hooked? What was that one about uh, creativity and depression? Blue and gray, blue and gray. It's just about feeling depressed and like you know, there's like even this part at the very end that's about like you know, snatching words out of the air like late at night and then falling asleep. And I was like, oh, as an insomniac who just couldn't sleep all pandemic, I also like connect to this like that. You know, just you. you those words like in the air and then it's like you fall asleep at like four o'clock in the morning or whatever so it's just I, I felt like I really connected to that there's just I feel like it's been so hard for creative people and there's very little that I found so far where creatives like in the art itself have quite processed that experience you know what I mean because I think for a lot of us that are writers like we're writing for either an existing thing 
or we're trying to pitch the next yeah, thing. And so there might just sure. be like a lagging indicator. You know what I mean? But I, I feel like Billie Eilish had something that kind of like spoke to that too, that I can't remember what the, the song was, but it just had like a mention. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, like music is maybe able to react mm -hmm. to this emotion faster. So. And then in yeah. three years, there's going to be 17 <laughs> station 11. <-like laughs> <type. laughs> I know, right? Um, I, I can recommend the uh, BTS uh, Beat Saber pack. For those of you that have the, uh, the any kind of VR, because let me tell you, <laughs> BTS with when when you're slicing stuff with a lightsaber in the VR headset, um, that'll that'll. Oh, wait! Oh, um, what is this? I'm gonna get it. This this you, is like at a got, crossroads you, you gotta do of things it if that you, I love. If you love, if you love <laughs> VR at all, but we have the PS5. There there are better VR headsets, but um, but B, BTS has their own album of songs of greatest hits in beat saber and you're just you're and they pop up and you're slicing cubes and stuff and it's a workout and it's fun and, and it's, it's loud and that's lots amazing. of uh, i mean because we can't go outside so this is that that's what you do you, you slice things <laughs> um i i just wanted i wanted I'll i wanted to things for exercise to the 2020 2021 talk if, if that's cool um yeah, it's it's funny because for me and and I think Ben knows this more than more than it's just the five of us. No one no one's going to hear this, right? This is a safe space. Um, the uh, you know for, for me, twenty twenty <laughs> pre pandemic started with uh, me bursting half the discs in my spine, and I was I was I was bedridden for almost forty five oh days. I couldn't move. I was literally I don't want to say paralyzed because you know that's not fair to, but I I literally couldn't move. And so I I forced myself to. Uh, to you know rehab as best as I could and, and I was I went from crawling taking 10 minutes to crawl out of the bed to go you know pee to being able to go up the stairs to be able to to walk and, and to function again and then the pandemic happened like it was like it was like great I'm back baby no you're not and and it kind of just all shut down so for me that, that was the lens of, of perspective that I had going going into it so I was like great I'm fine I'm rehabbing I can move around but I can't go anywhere now so this is interesting um so trying to find the silver lining in in 2020 which was a shit year I, I think for me um I think that's why I was able to really just like Julia said work, work as hard as I possibly could and understand and you know the highlight for me last year wasn't the the, the shows wasn't the selling the shows wasn't Canada it was it was getting engaged and and you know I was finally able to 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 you know pop the question and and, and that to me is, is the highlight that really took me to like being like okay well everything sucks but you know we're gonna be all right we're gonna be all right and and we're, we're gonna we're gonna push through and I guess a version of the BTS inspiration, like that gave me the juice, right? That gave me like the, all right, fuck it, let's go. We're going to get ready for 2022 and, and beyond. Um, and, and now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a place where my year is literally carved out for the whole year for projects and, and I'm, I'm, I'm beyond stoked, but I don't think I would have pushed as hard had it not been for that first half of 2020 where I was like, I didn't know if I was going to die, walk, live anything. Um, so every day I'm, I just, I, I, this is the cheese ball again just the five just no one else can hear this um it's 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 like i'm i'm stoked i'm stoked for every day you know going forward that's that's kind of how i live it so uh, carlos you're an inspiration and you're so gross um thank you <laughs> hey, carlos plan a wedding in you know, 2023 right, right i know right now I we're, just, at 11, is, we're, we're at 11 11 because the numbers are too perfect um but but yeah there, oh. there was 
There is a oh, world. Wow. No, yeah, we'll good. See. Wait. Mm -hmm. But that's, you should be, I say, you should be fine by then. <laughs> Although I did say when, when this all happened in March of 2020, we were supposed to get married in uh, Labor Day weekend of 2020. And I kept saying, you know, if we have to push in September, zombies <laughs> are running around. Like, that's the only day this will happen. Now we're getting oh married well, in 2022. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I you think too. like we were, we were talking to an epidemiologist because like we were working on a show oh. and she was like, yeah, the thing is pandemics, they last at least like two years. And then it starts to say, I was like, okay, so I'm just not going to worry about anything until 2022. <laughs> so. Oh boy. No. I'm just gonna say my version of that, like I said, was the comic books and like really finding like comic yeah. book Twitter and comic book Instagram. So filling my Instagram of comic book artists. And the thing that it like re-sparked in me is that like, you know, comics is a, a tough industry um, and obviously it's got a lot, a, a lot uh, of issues, but I find that the comic book artists are so enthusiastic about their work and about the medium that even when they're frustrated with the industry and, and I think part of it is tied to honestly how incredibly little they're paid, that it makes it this like labor of love um, and this labor of belief that like you believe in this medium and like really, really being filled up by like a bunch of new comics and a bunch of, I'm really seeing what they're doing with the genre and doing with format and form. It was, it definitely helped like re-spark my like interest in storytelling in a way I love that, that I, think, I didn't expect. Know. It really is. Comic book Twitter is awesome. <laughs> yeah, comic Twitter is so good. Like for real. And it's Ridiculous. a shame that they're not paid. Um, I, I think all of you have touched on this thing, which I, I think really is the way out, right? Which is to find that thing that sparks the excitement. You know, the reason we got into this, the reason we wanted to tell stories for a living. I think the two most inspired and productive weeks I had this year was while I was watching the Beatles documentary because watching these geniuses struggle in the same way that we idiots do was so inspiring <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, That's on my list for I want to end this right now yeah. <laughs> I want to end this so you can for go same reason and and I'm coming <laughs> over because I want to watch it again <laughs> Uh, let's let's talk briefly before we wrap up about um, where are we going? You know, like it's it's we can't look two weeks into the future, but maybe we can look a little further out. Maybe we can look towards the end of this year when maybe we can crawl out of at least this variant. Um, what does this business look like? Um, are we in for more of the same? Are things going to improve. I mean, I think in addition to this pandemic, and we've talked about this a little bit over the past couple of years on the podcast, in addition to dealing with a pandemic and the new ways of working and the new ways of experiencing the world that entails, before that we had the industry campaign and that shook things up. And concurrent to that, we had three major new streaming services pop up who have spent the past two years figuring out not just who works for them, but what their mandates are and what their brands are and what they want to hear from people like us who are pitching to them. Um, I think that's starting to shape up a little bit. Um, I think we have a better idea of what 
uh, HBO Max and Amazon and Apple are looking for um, and Paramount Plus. But what does that mean? You know, like it could change next week as it's done the past few, few uh, months. So, you know, Carlos, you talked about having your plate pretty full for this year. What happens next? You know, and I would ask this to everyone. What are you hearing from the execs you're working with? What are you hearing from the writers that you're talking to? How do you see the year shaping up as far as selling, staffing, um, producing anything? Don't forget Peacock, the lovely Peacock. I still don't service. know what Peacock is. The, the, the... <laughs> <laughs> you and everybody else, my friend. Um, you and everybody else. We love you, Peacock. I loved your show. Thank you. Thank you. you, you that's that's it. Thank you. I love you. Rutherford Falls. Um, like, I think they're doing good shows, but I don't know yeah. what to bring them. No. Yeah. I don't. I don't. It, it, that's mm -hmm. exactly it. And, and especially, um, I guess this comes out Tuesday. That's fine. Um, you know, I, I feel like th th they also, you know, the, <laughs> <clears throat> I'm not going to be asked back. Am I? Um, the no. I mean, you'll be asked back here. Maybe not to yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, here. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about. It. No, I, I feel. I feel like so. Just to talk about our show for a second. Mm -hmm. um, a, a little inside baseball. Like obviously, we were announced on NBC, and everything about oh, right. Dan Brown and the Da Vinci Code and that whole that whole you know chestnut and that the Robert Langdon world. I mean, that's NBC, baby. Like that's like, like that's that's. That's that. That's the slice of cake right down the middle of yeah. the country, and like, let's eat it and let's all have fun forever. Um, and then they were like, "Well, let's 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 make this the flagship show for the streaming service that nobody has." <laughs> and we were like, "What? Okay, but still make it like it was a network show." And we're just like, "Oh, but like I don't even understand." Like, okay, fine, great. Um, and we did the best we could and we're happy with it. And, and I think the, the showrunners were, they did the, 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 the just the most unbelievable work, but we kept asking ourselves like, why are we on NBC? We should be on NBC. I wish we were on NBC um, the, the entire time. So uh, in, in that regard, I think a lot of them still are figuring out what exactly it is that they want. Um, I think that HBO Max, um, not, not, not to, you know, not to bury that lead, but that's, that's where my show is going. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that they, they they have done a great job of cracking that nut like yeah. like they had like 72 million subscribers like that's that's incredible that's like what um since they since they you know booted up and their programming i think is really really phenomenal because even though so much of it is so diverse and so across the spectrum for some reason you look at it you're like oh yeah that's an hbo max show yeah that that, that tracks that's you true. know and, and and i would love i would yeah. love to find yeah. um if anyone at warner's is listening i would love to find a home there thank you very much <laughs> Um, but that's um, that's that's my uh, that's my feeling on that. And having worked for the other streamers, I, I do feel that HBO Max really, really, they're figuring it out uh, at a pace where I mean, they were the first channel, right? They were the first channel forty years ago. They were like, yeah. you got to pay extra to watch our shows," and people were like, "That's stupid. That's never gonna work." Um, and mm -hmm. here we are. Everybody's trying to be HBO forty years ago, you know. So I think that they they have a good 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 lead on how it's gonna end up. Yeah, that's a great point. I do miss, I do miss the yeah. all of the original. Yeah. 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 You got to bring that back. Yeah. 
they do have like a uniquely strong brand identity yeah, yeah. that they've kind of held on to for many, many years. I think for them and for Disney, yep. you you know what to bring them, right? Well, Disney sort of comes to you, but you still you still know what mm-hmm. those brands are. Um, you know, is it a free-for-all everywhere else? Um, yeah. Angela, I forget, you're under a deal, right? How is it figuring out and navigating what flies and balancing that with like the kind of TV you want to make? Such a good question. I, you know, I don't know. I, I think like in some ways, I just have to go for the kind of TV I ha- I want to make but obviously since I'm under AMC it's got to work for like their network and studio but like there's I don't know I think like AMC they don't even really have like one particular thing that they produce under their umbrella you know what I mean and so it kind of like works like my lane like I like sort of like you know I love genre stuff I also like non-genre stuff too, but but I like things that have like a very character-driven element to it, which I feel like that's the one thing that works for my particular studio. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like you can only really like go towards the things that you love because otherwise it won't feel, it won't be good. Like I couldn't write a show, like I can't even think of an example. Uh, I watched some episodes <laughs> of Emily in Paris for fun. like. Just randomly, like, cause yeah. I, I was like, I need to just put something on and I opened up Netflix and there it was. And it's like, a, it's such a charming show. I could never write that show. Like, that's not my lane, like at all. It's not even usually my lane of watching, but it was like super cute. So, um, you know, so I kind of know like what kinds of things I don't, mm. somebody else could do it better than me. <laughs> so I think that's the only guide that I have is like, I'll just respond to something and go like, oh, I really, really love this. Like if even if I wasn't making it, I want somebody else to make it, then I know that that's for me. But I don't know. I don't even know how to prognosticate. It feels like the industry is in such an interesting transitional time where everybody's trying to move to having their own little streamer. And meanwhile, I'm like, can somebody just make a cable <laughs> package for streaming? I just want to pay one thing. Right. I'll pay like a hundred bucks a month. Then I'll I'll pay a little extra for HBO Max. So it's like I do on cable. <laughs> like I just yeah. I just want to go to one interface, pay one thing, just bundle it all for me. Just mm-hmm. I feel like cable figured this out already. Just bundle it. <laughs> so podcast. Yeah. So I don't know. I it. It feels like everything's going to keep fragmenting for a while while everybody like experiments with their stream. Yeah, I think think you're right. I think we're looking at another year or two of this. You know, there are still studios, there are still uh, extant networks that don't have their own streamers yet. Um, Jay and Julia, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. you two are in the close, the nearest boat to my own (laughs) where like, you know, we're hustling. We're out there. Uh, It's trying to find a home for ourselves and for our our dumb ideas um what what are you what are you looking at this year as you start to put together you know your your plan like jay you talked about steering the ship for yourself what does that entail as far as like targeting uh pitches i mean for me it entails it definitely entails targeting pitches and actually like sending my reps a list of people and places that I want to work with. Uh, and a little bit, I mean, I picked up something from uh, Eric Heiserer 
who says that every year he sits down with his reps and says, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I expect you to do. And so this was the first year where I sat down with them. And it's like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to like work on these pitches and I'm going to work on these comic book pitches. I'm going to work on this pilot. And I basically, you know, implied is I expect you to get me meetings. And like in a couple of years, you know, I want to be under a deal. Like that's, that's the sort of goal. And I want to, you know, maybe try my hand at show running and all of that. Like that's the, that's the direction, you know, for me personally, I'm, I'm was just thinking about it, you know, cause my reps were very, of course, you know, they want to hear, oh, you want to work? Yes, we would like you to work. Oh, you would like to get a promotion and, and get more money? Yes, we would like you to get more money. Um, so it wasn't a very complicated conversation. But the thing that the, the place where we sort of diverge a little bit is, you know, they were like, it's all OWAs. They're like out there pitching, it's all OWAs. And like the way they use it is like, if you're going out with a, a, an original pitch, you're starting off in the batter's box. But if you're going up for an OWA, you're starting on second. Like this is something they're already interested in. But for me, looking at like writing a new pilot this year is like, it's an artistic endeavor for me in a lot of ways, really. Like I just want to make something that's undeniable. Like my last pilot, I felt really good about. And I feel like the response that I got from it was, we want to meet with this person. And I'm like, I want to come out with a pilot this year that's like, oh, we want to work with this person we have to work with this person now. And like, that's going to be digging deep. And that's the way I'm approaching it. Like, as far as I'm with Angela, I, I think we're going to be three or four years in this weird chaos of, of, I'm sorry, yeah, of like new streamers and new companies, the companies are consolidating and then unconsolidating and then everyone's buying everyone else. And it's going to be so long before any of that shakes out and anyone has, yeah, has an identity or has a, 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 a mandate or whatever and it's like i feel like the execs i meet they don't know the yeah. ones i met they're like well, i don't know what's going on you know they're being told like you can't buy anything maybe you can buy something maybe we have this yeah. and it's just like they don't know they don't even know half the time they don't even know who their boss is anymore you know so it's like i think it's just going to be that for a while sadly yeah, that's what I've been hearing a lot from execs. Execs are like, you know, because like ex execs, like everybody else, like to try to prognosticate. And this is like the most that I've just heard. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like, mm -hmm. Not yeah. sure. It could be anybody. Like, they could yeah. all lose their jobs next week. Like, so yeah. it just feels like there's a lot of uncertainty, and a lot of it's like the pandemic has made things like hard to predict. You know, it's mm -hmm. so expensive to to produce something right now it's incredibly expensive. Like it would it would blow people's minds if they knew how much more it costs to produce under COVID. And mm -hmm. you always have the possibility that things are gonna shut down, which is kind of yeah. like a lot of people are taking a COVID pause because of Omicron, you know? Um, and it's just, so I think that there's a lot of uncertainty. We've got like VC money coming into Hollywood and snapping up companies. And it, it's just, it's a brand new world out there. I and don't it's, know. It's, it's interesting you know, As though. you said, it's been a brand new world for five years. And I think you you all are right that this is yeah. what we're looking at for the next few years, at least. Uh, Juliaka. Really interesting too, because I, like I got my start in TV and really since 2020, I've been only writing movies. Um, and so it's been interesting to see how things are working from that side of things as well. Um, you know, th of the three movies that I pitched towards the end of last year, the one that went, I was, not me, because I was like, I fucking love this. But I think everyone around me was like, 
wait, are you serious? This is the one to go. And it's in large part, in large part, it's because of the director who was attached. Um, but I, you know, I like to think that it was also because I came up with a very cool idea. It's based on IP. Um, and I was surrounded by people who said, we love this too. And we trust you to, you know, bring it over the, the finish line. And um, I think what I have realized and what I hope for, for, for next year is really to, um, to keep going with that energy. I have been doing this long enough now that I know what's gonna work. Um, especially when you're pitching an idea that's based on IP, um, you don't own that, I don't own that. And so I'm bringing me to the table and if I'm not, you know, what they have the appetite for, then I shouldn't be the one pitching it. Um, and so I think that's that's been something that's been very interesting to learn uh, last year and, and this year as well. I'm, you know, very excited this year to start working on my own original stuff again. I'm working on a feature right now that had previously been set up somewhere and it fell through. And now I'm like, okay, cool, let me just write it. Um, I have another project that I'm actually working on with my husband, which is uh, very fun and exciting and, and we're still married. So that's great. Um, <laughs> hence, hence all the COVID wedding stuff. Um, and you know, I, I have the script now that I, that I got to write that I sold at the end of last year and, um, hopefully starting production on, on the OWA that I wrote last year. So I'm really excited. I think there's a lot of fun stuff coming up. Um, for me, the goal is to get to be on set for the next one. Uh, that was definitely, you know, a, a big, a big blow because you feel so disconnected from the project uh, when you're not there on set. But I'm, I'm really excited for, for hopefully 2022 to be that year. We're <laughs> and cold, cold and miserable in Canada. In Canada. <laughs> um, the, the thing I'm hearing from, from all of you, which honestly, this is, this is what I find really inspiring is that, um, you know, you're, you're finding things to get excited about in the process as hard as it can be and as um, hopeless as it might seem or um, as pointless as it might seem, like there, you're still finding the things to love about it, you know, whether it's your original stuff or whether it's a property that you respond to or finding your way into a property that's been offered to you. Um, I, I, that gets, that's encouraging and that gets me excited to tackle new stuff. Um, Let's wrap up, as we always do, by asking you, what were those things besides BTS, uh, besides the Beatles? Um, what were some of the things that you watched uh, or listened to or read in the past year that got you excited or inspired? Um, Carlos, let's start with you. What did you put in your eyes and ears this year? Yeah. Um, I, you know... Uh, you can see it uh, for those of you that are just the five of us. Um, Money Heist finally wrapped up their uh, their their incredible journey, uh, Casa de Papel, as as it should be called, um, <laughs> not Money Heist, because that's I'm still never gonna get over that. It's the but, worst um, title. They finished their season. It's the worst. It's the worst change of a title for an American audience in the history of like. Yeah. Anyways, um, the 
heist implies money. Yeah, and like they're not even. Yeah, it's like you know, but it was incredible. It was it was I think definitely inspirational. Um, I'll let Jay talk about the one that's number two on my list because I feel like we've both have been raving about it on the on the on the twitters, and I think he's gonna he's gonna bring it up. But um, I love the great. I'm so happy the great's back. Um, and I just. That movies wise i think nightmare alley was absolutely gorgeous and stunning and i want to put that production design into my eyeballs 24 7 so i would love to work on some kind of art deco piece um and a bunch of other stuff but yeah that, that, that's been pretty much the gist i've been reading a lot too but um but that's been mainly for work but there's also a double benefit so i enjoy that um, and and let's. I know we could talk about um, Money Heist for an hour or two, but like, yeah, that's the next. Yeah, they stuck the landing. Like they that was satisfying the all the way through. Yes, yes, they did. Yes, it was exciting. Um, um, all right, we'll we'll do it another time. We'll see if we can get those yeah. creators on. Hey, if anyone knows those creators, I want them on this show. I want to talk to them, and I'll drag Carlos along. I, I, I have literally. <laughs> I have of money uh, heist. for money heist. Wait, uh, Casa de Papel. Alex Alex Pina. Um, I've okay. literally been uh, trying to push that cast of Money Heist onto both Dan Brown and Eon Flux. Awesome. That, that's not proprietary. I've literally that just is... been like, here are my selects, <laughs> and it's just that cast of, of Money Heist. It is one of the most fun things about like discovering <laughs> a show that you love that has an amazing ensemble where everyone is good. Yeah. You like, I want to put them in everything. Uh, I've been doing that with sex education yes. this these past couple of years. Oh uh, yeah. Um, Jay, what are you watching? What did you watch this year that got you inspired? I mean, I think Carlos is talking about Yellow Jackets, which is the hotness. It's so good and so fun, and like it. That was that's definitely been like a great find this year um i have credit amber alexander for turning me on to it she was she was there first and then like insisted that i watch it <laughs> exact shout out gotta gotta do the shout out um so that the uh the other things that were really big in my year were the expanse um that was a huge part of this year for me um the the final season is dropping now the season before i thought was one of my favorite and then i also reread all of the books and the final book came out uh and they stuck the landing so like i spent a lot of time digging into the expanse this year uh as i said comics of the current night ring run uh and a couple of others have been really great human target uh and tv wise other or, or sort of tv or, or what else otherwise um mm. squid game obvi uh, was really great this year. Uh, and right now, um, in my, I think I, I think I always have an embarrassing-ish thing to, to admit here. Uh, I am now into season 14 of a CSI, Original Flavor, rewatch. Original Flavor. <laughs> wow, 14. Why? 14. How did 14 this... seasons. <laughs> Weirdly. episodes is that? Yeah. That's amazing. Um, actually, it's a lot of episodes because yeah, it's it's full twenty-two season episodes. Oh my god! But it started in that weird way. So during that brief time when things were cool in like June or so, I went to Vegas, uh, which is a place that I do uh -huh. enjoy. And when I came back, I was like, <laughs> I want to see some more Vegas. I was like, Oh, there was a show set in Vegas. And then I started watching it, and then I, I, so I'm now I'm now fully in, uh, <laughs> and it's been a journey. It's been a real journey. I do have a soft spot in my heart for like those kinds of procedurals. Oh, yeah. Like they're oh. just 
They're fun to watch. It's satisfying <laughs> when you can figure out the mystery. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that writers who work on those types of shows have such, um, yeah, they have plot discipline like crazy. Those so those lawn or writers are machines. Yeah, yeah. I, I have some former like procedural writers on my staff and they're amazing with like figuring out like turns and stuff like mm-hmm. that like yeah. and and all the character stuff too but it's yeah. like yeah. it does like impose a certain discipline in terms of like plotting yes so. exactly and, and efficiency of storytelling because like you do have mm-hmm. so much plot that's to turn right. through and so many turns that it is just sort of like narrowing it down so that's it. been yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i'm finishing it this week or next week i think and then after that, I'm de- dedicating the rest of this year to watching new things. <laughs> Listen, all of don't the time. don't do it so on our account. That's my new. There, I'm, there I'm, are I'm pl- doing you got twenty again. seasons of Law and Order. <laughs> you got thirty seasons of SVU. Come on! Oh my god, um, Angela. What uh, besides BTS? What did you consume this year that that got you going? Oh, so many things. What I watched recently, film wise, that I loved was Tick Tick Boom. Um, which is about Jonathan Larson's life. And let me tell you, Andrew Garfield, who I just think is an exceptional, exceptional actor, is incredible in this movie. And it was just so inspiring. And because the character is himself a writer, although in a different, you know, discipline, it's there's just so much about it that I connected to, like just the for Sondheim fans, the idea of finishing the hat and how you mm-hmm. can put life aside to your own detriment and things. Um, I just, I found it like such a, a beautiful performance and like a, just a really fun watch and an emotional watch. Um, like Jay, I also love Squid Game. I still have like, I think one or two more episodes to finish of that, but love that. I've been doing a lot of just like international watching, actually. I The other show that I've got oh, one more episode it's on so is bananas. Dark, I love it. which is out of Germany. <laughs> love Dark. It's, it's bananas, but I love it. It's really cool. And then I'm trying to, I've just, yeah, like just in the international thing, I'm watching a K-drama called Our Beloved Summer, which is just like a just straight up romance. But like what I'm really enjoying is that like out of Korea, like they don't have quite the... IP craze that we have here they do IP stuff too but but not to the extent and so like I'm enjoying seeing like um originals out of other countries so that's kind of like the vibe that I'm in right now um and then just I'll say like one a book that I'm you know that um PMC got for me as a producer um Black Sun by Rebecca Rowanhorst. I just love this read. And I'm not just saying this because like I'm attached to this and like the writer, the author is writing the the pilot, but it is legitimately just one of the best reads that I've come across in like a long time. You know, it's like, it's a fantasy epic, but with like Mesoamerican indigenous cultures as kind of the center of it. So it's just like, it's so cool. It's so like, unlike other stuff that I've read in that space um so you know but I I enjoyed it as a reader and now I'm just I'm happy to to work on it but really just it's the author like she's amazing so just shout out to her she writes comics too Rebecca Rowan that's so exciting Um, I will recommend to you um if you are a a fan of um Sondheim have you checked out that book about the making of Sunday in the Park with George no but now I'm going to 
Yeah, definitely check it out. I'm not a fan of musicals or not, I don't get Sondheim, but I do love things about the creative process. 500 episodes later, he says. Um, and I I really enjoyed the book. Um, I, I made it through about 20 minutes of That's watching cool. Sunday in the Park, but I read the whole book. So <laughs> recommend it. Um, Julia, what have you enjoyed this year? What's gotten you excited or inspired? Again, Squid Game, I just, I burned through it. And then I went to visit a friend who had just had a baby and I made them watch it too. Oh and God. so I watched it again and I was just like, oh, it's masterful of how, you know, the, the twists and the turns and, and I just loved it. And it was funny because in our house, we watched it with subtitles and in their house, they watched it dubbed. Yeah. And again, a completely different experience both times. Oh, wow. Um, I just really just thought it was masterful. And, um, I also have been super into Yellow Jackets. I, if you like Yellow Jackets, I don't know if anybody mm -hmm. has watched The Wilds. Yeah, it's great. Which I've heard about it, but I haven't watched mm -hmm. it. Yeah. I've heard about like, it too. Jay, I feel like you would really like that. I, yeah. it's, it's funny to me because I'm trying to decide which one I like more. I feel like The Wild is almost more of a Pretty Little Liars version mm. of mm -hmm. Yellow Jackets. And sometimes I want to watch a show with the lights off, and I can't do that with Yellow Also, can I, no, can I just say most spoilers, but I watched the pilot on a goddamn plane without realizing what the hell was happening. Oh, no. <laughs> nope. Oh, my God. What? I literally stuffed that pilot, and I looked around, and I had to close the iPad. I was like, oh, no, nobody, no, nobody, I have to wait. And then I would, like, peek oh. through, try to watch it. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh, nope. my God. Nope. That. <laughs> oh, my God. I have to watch it. Yeah. So former, um, a former assistant from the Walking Dead um, writer's room oh, is a writer yeah. on Yellow Jackets. Oh, nice. She's amazing. Yeah. I just get so mad at myself that as an avid survivor lover and watcher and someone who this year alone has rewatched multiple seasons much to Nick's chagrin um <laughs> it's like he's like I saw this I saw this season already why and I was like oh this is the fourth time I've seen it um but I'm like why why did I not crash a plane on an island and have yeah. it be a teenage girl like it's it's just so yeah. good why did I think of that um but also features wise I um have been writing in 2020 and now have been doing a lot of biopic writing and so I really enjoyed King Richard I just thought mm. that they really hit the right balance of, of heart and storytelling there um mm. and so it was like oh this is what this is what I should kind of aspire to um and then also Again, this is my embarrassing thing, but I'm not embarrassed about it. Uh, this season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills was probably one of the best seasons of television I've seen. No. Um, so that just what? <laughs> I I have never seen an episode of Real Housewives, but I have to say that I feel like that franchise is probably a favorite in like yeah. stealth favorite in everybody's <laughs> town, I feel like. Yep. It's like yep. everybody watches it. Yep. Everybody Beverly watches Hills it. and Potomac in terms of the franchises like have just been, even this year in Potomac, it wasn't the best season, but it was still like heads and shoulders above. Like it's just great franchise. <laughs> I aspire to write 
as much tension <laughs> and drama and the the lot the witty banter. Oh my god! I just oh my god! I, I got to write that. Uh, listen, right. if you All take right. nothing else from this Amazing. episode, everyone, inspiration can come from anywhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Nobody should be ashamed exactly. of what no. they like. like. You should not be. If, if there's <laughs> something for everyone. Ben, you haven't embarrassed yourself with something that you're watching that, that we should we should laugh at. Um, I don't I don't think I've I've watched anything embarrassing because <laughs> I haven't watched a ton of stuff. Um, I I just finished the third season of Sex Education <laughs> after rewatching the first two seasons again, and I only finished the third season so I can go and rewatch it again. There's something about this show that just mm. speaks to me, like the emotional heft of every exchange is so perfectly realized. Um, and again, it's one of those casts that like, I'll watch anything they do and um, I'm trying to put them in everything I do. Um, that Yellow Jackets, um, Survivor, like, yeah, that's that's the stuff that kept me Kept me sane this year. Um, we're, we're watching the second season finally of um, uh, My Beautiful, My Brilliant Friend, um, which I really loved the first season. And we're enjoying the second season too. Uh, that's on HBO Max uh, based on the Elena Ferrante books, um, which I did not read. Um, and it seems like the awesome. these are a great adaptation. You know what else really got me inspired? Here's my embarrassing thing. Uh, the Harry Potter 20th anniversary <laughs> special. Ooh. I wept. Nice. Uh, I loved, there was just enough process stuff <laughs> that got me excited that I hadn't really heard about. Uh, the way these kids grew up together and loved each other and all came out seemingly very normal was Aww. really inspiring to me. Uh, I really loved it. Recommend it. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, thank you all so That's much for sweet. being here. Uh, I could not think of a better group with whom to welcome in what could be a good year. You're, you've given me some hope, and I appreciate that. I have hope for thank this you. year. I'm glad to I hear it. Um, hope. We'll hopefully see you all yeah. at the end of this year, and it will all it will be all success stories. It's going to be great. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. 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 Thanks, Ben. Forever. Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.